Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed, and today we have a uh, special guest with us. We have Mr. John Lorendi from Peter James. He's it's an accessory company, so if you're in the cigar world, I'm pretty sure you've heard of Peter James, and if not, then I'm sure after this hour, you'll be more than familiar with them. So let me bring on our guests. John, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Did I pronounce your last name right? I know people butcher yeah. my pe people butcher my first name all the time, and I've gotten to the point where I don't even correct them. But I try to get everybody's name correct. So I was like, I hope this is the right pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, it 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 it's a tricky one. It can be a tricky one, but uh, you know, the English variation of it is pretty simple. You got it. Um, if you want to hit the European side, you got to really accentuate the R. That's loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm not even gonna try that one. So, yeah, but the Americanized yeah, version of it is great. But uh, thank you for coming on today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, like I was, uh, you know, I don't think I got a chance to stop by your booth at PCA, but I saw lots of press releases coming out before the show, and I was seeing press release come out about the new stuff that you were doing and. I remember when I first started going to the PCA trade show back when it was IPCPR, uh, I think I ran into your booth one year. I can't remember when, what year it was, but it had to be one of the early years that I started going to the show. And I remember stopping by your booth at that show and um, it was a while ago. And it was, it's good to see that you're still in the industry because I tell people that the cigar industry, whether you're in the cigar part of it or the accessory part, it's not exactly the most easiest industry to, you know, have longevity in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You probably saw different Peter James at that time. Uh, <laughs> lots, a lot's happened since then, but um, it's one of those industries where you, you, you know, you have to pay your dues. Um, people want to see you keep coming around, keep being innovative, um, continuously pushing, and adding value to the industry. Um, I think just now we're starting to see people say, okay, you know, it's almost 10 years and, and they're, they're not, they're not going anywhere. So let's, uh, let's give them a little bit, a uh, little more attention. Yeah. I mean, I always like to jump around with these interviews, so it's not always like the most common place to start, but you know, you always hear like it takes a couple of years for people to f actually find success in any industry. And for some people, they say, it's, you know, like in the podcasting world, it says it takes three years for you to really build up an audience and, and you know, get to the point of sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. So for you, did it really take like at what point did you start seeing success? Did it really take the 10 years or did you start seeing it a little bit earlier? You know, for us, it, was a, it might have been a little different just because uh, we had something unique when we started, something that didn't exist. So for us, we flourished immediately. Now that's not to say in the industry we flourished, but in general, as a, as a small business, we did flourish um, having something that no one else had. But as years went on and competition came to market, that's when you started to see um, times become a little, little tougher. We had to start um, paying more attention to our social, paying more attention to our content on the products that we released um, and really pushing beyond what we initially I'd come out with back in 2014. So that kind of gave us a little bit of momentum um, where, like you said, you know, if you're a startup, truly a startup company, it does take some time to come to fruition. Um, but we had that advantage coming in. But, you know, I still look at us as a startup. You know, we're still kind of figuring things out. We still have to find our place. Um, you know, we're, we're consistently testing, innovating, um, just trying to add value to, to, to the market, to the customer, to the industry. Um, so I think now, more so than in our early years, this has probably been our most fun but challenging uh, road, definitely. And I like what you said about, you know, you're this far into your business, but you're still treating yourself as a startup because I feel like so many companies sometimes trip themselves up by, getting to this point where they're like, we've been around for this many years, or we have this much in sales, like, you know, we're pros, people love us. But I think that startup mentality is probably key to your success because at least then you kind of see, you know, that you still have a long way to go until you, you hit, you know, that 
perfection mark, which I don't think ever really exists for any company. No, no I, I mean, uh, we, we live in finding uh, perfection in the, in the imperfect. Um, and that's simply because the startup, there's never really any, like you said, perfection. It's all about finding your flow. Uh, and what does that mean? You introduced us as an accessory company, but it's the truth. We were, we started off as an accessory company, but I like to look at it as more of a, a lifestyle brand. And the reason I say that is because, you know, being a cigar advocate or, or an aficionado or however you want to label it, it's not a hobby. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's one that you choose, one that you enjoy and one that you dive deep down to the rabbit hole, just like you would anything else. Um, and, and, and what we're trying to do here is create that ecosystem, that lifestyle of that aficionado, whether it be through accoutrements or through cigars or through um, even, you know, taking a further look back into things like aromatics and furniture and, you know, shortly coming fashion. And how does this all play a part into the lifestyle of, say, one person who's um, who enjoys a cigar? Yeah. And I think something that you just said, you know, that how I introduced you as an accessory company, I know that, you know, some people probably, like I said, who are familiar with Peter James might think you're an accessory company. But if you went to your website, you would see that, like you just said, that you are much more, you have so many different areas and categories that you kind of dabble in. So as a way of, of jumping, a jumping off point, because you just tell people what, in your words, is Peter James? I know you kind of just said that it's like a lifestyle, but what is Peter James and like what made you, what inspired you to create this company? So uh, I'll start from the beginning because I think that's important. Um, we started the company because at the time this specific product didn't exist. Um, a product where um, an individual can carry their cigars, accessories all in one carry case while going out on an evening um, wearing much like you are, maybe a suit or something a little more dressed up. Um, at the time, it was just the Pelican style case, which fantastic, functional, maybe didn't fit the environment when you brought it into a cocktail party or, or, or a night out for dinner. Um, so that's where the company started. Um, you know, in the past, I would say three years, where it's gone is a completely different, completely broader direction, where it's, okay, how do we really look at all the aspects of because i am a cigar smoker of an aficionado how do we look at life in general because more often than not you know we think a little differently than than the norm as an example if i'm going up for dinner with some friends um i'm asking many different questions than somebody else would i'm asking things like where are we going for dinner is it inside is it outside do we have plans for afterwards are we doing cocktails is there a place i can have a cigar is there a place I can have a cigar with my friends? If not, can we pivot? Can we make some suggestions on somewhere else we can go with it? Like, these are the conversations that normal cigar smokers have. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought, okay, how do we tailor an entire brand around that lifestyle where it's not just about the cigar and, and the, the accessory, but more the experience? Um, and and our, our recent ad campaign um, in, in DuPont Registry really focuses and hones in on the fact that, you know, taking time for the things that matter because the things that matter take time. And with a culture and a society today, that's just, I would say, distracted and focused on fast, quick activations. And what can I do quickly? You know, seldomly do we take time to really explore experience and really focus in and hone in on that. And that, that trips down all the way down to your morning routine. Um, and the coffee that we have, but it's not just about pressing a button and making the coffee. Cause that's, that's great. And it, it may be great for some people, but for those who enjoy coffee, how do we create a better experience for them? And then we take that all the way into aromatics. When you walk into your home or when you wake up in the, in, in the morning, you know, creating that sense, that, that, that memory of, of invoking a, a, a specific feeling through aromatics. Um, all the way through to, you know, maybe a midday cigar break. It's just, how, do, how does Peter James create that lifestyle? And it's not just about products either. And many people think it's just, a, it's just product based, but it's not. Um, we, we do things from products um, to events, 
to uh, content management. So we're, we're a wide breadth of services and as a company. And I think you, you, there's so much to unload even from that intro. Um, you know, you're talking about distractions and I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, but, you know, he talks about the world that we live in and how many distractions there are. And, you know, and you're talking about basically creating, like I said, a lifestyle brand that kind of celebrates the moment, which forces you to kind of slow down and really take in that moment and decide, like you said, if you're going out, you know, planning out, like how, how can you enjoy that moment? How can you get into that moment? It's just like really interesting for you to, to hear that, you know, because most of our world is kind of built around quickness and quick deliveries and stuff like that. And while you're trying to force us with, you know, the coffee and the, you know, cigar accessories and stuff to kind of take a little, a little moment and pump the brakes a little bit and focus in on like, like I said, enjoyment out of certain moments. Yeah. You nailed it. You said a lot more eloquently than I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like I said, I, I'm always curious because, you know, so many people, when they want to start a brand or a company, it's always, I always ask them, why did they want to start that, that brand or company? And, you know, if you hear that, if, if they say they started because they, they saw opportunity and, you know, they, they saw as a big money maker or a chance, it's like they have like limited success, it seems like. And then the opposite end of that is like you said, you know, maybe it's something that they enjoyed and they're getting into it as a passion and they know that it's going to take a little bit more time to like get to that profitable point. But whether they hit that point or not is, is usually okay to them either way. Like they still want to enjoy that moment. So, um, you know, I'm sure that were there times when you early on, when you launched this company where you were just like, is this really a good idea or not? Like, did you ever have any doubts or were you the type that just wanted to charge forward either way? It's a great question. Um, the doubts still are ongoing, but that doesn't, that doesn't, that never makes me waver in, in how I feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the turning point to this, to this brand, this company was uh, back in 2020. Um, so I am the Peter in Peter James. My middle name is Peter and, uh, my old business partner, the other founder, his middle name was James. So in 2020, when he decided, um, he wanted to leave the brand and, and focus on his his um, his family business. Uh, that was my that was my the hardest decision that I had to make because it was either we sell um, or I purchase his shares and I I really dive deep into into this world. Um, and I made that decision fairly quickly, but you know with with any decision comes contemplation and. You weigh the pros and the cons. Um, but there's a lot more to this. Peter James, when we started, with a hobby business. I mean, you know, we had an accessory. This accessory was made initially for just a small group of individuals who had a common problem. So it's interesting to hear your story just because, like, so many people, like I said, really struggle with when they launch a business what they're launching it for and just getting into it. So I know that it's, it's really hard to launch a business just like, cause I heard another interview, what you did earlier today, where you were talking about, you know, this was the started off as like a hobby or interest for you, but you yes. know, you still want it to, to it to kind of fold over into a business and just, you know, to me, that's, like I said, it's, interesting to hear because business is all about, I remember I spoke one time to Ernesto Perez Carrillo and he was like, you know, cigars are obviously a passion of mine. I love cigars. I love making cigars. He said, but it's also a business. So, you know, you also have to kind of focus on the business aspect of, of what, you know, we do and what I do. And that's like accounting and finances and, you know, the, the kind of fun, not so fun stuff. And he's like, and then, you know, the cigar making is its own process. So just how do you, you know, how do you move beyond, like I said, that point of it just being, you know, like I said, you know, a hobby to to a business and like keep your passion for it. Because I know for me, like I'm very wary sometimes about turning 
certain hobbies into a business because I don't want, you know, I don't want to to lose my affinity for it. I don't want to get into like, like where it's like, oh, like this isn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I, I hear what you're saying. And I think the goal is to continuously keep it creative. Um, never lose sight of that. That's the one thing that keeps us grounded and keeps us focused. And, and it doesn't, it allows us to work in, a, in an environment that isn't mundane. Because like mm-hmm. you said, if you're doing rep, if you're re- repetition over and over and you're just, you're doing the, your accounting, you're doing all the entrepreneurial aspects of a business, plus then you're designing a product, product launches. It could, it could consume you. And then you could essentially, like you said, start resenting uh, the business and the passion. So I think what's important or the, the key takeaway from, from what I've been learning and it's ongoing is I focus my efforts on what makes me feel good. And for me, what makes me feel good is, is this, is this, this brand, everything it stands for and everything that we're doing. And, and that means even the fun stuff like creating cigar blends and creating new products and, um, you know, even our new, our, our new venture into events and, and, and productions. That was, I think the, the beautiful part of Peter James is it's being cultivated by things that come into fruition on their own. It's not anything that we're saying, okay, let's target this area here, like content management, because we, we feel that there's revenue there. This was all people liked what they saw through our Instagram feeds. They liked what we were doing at the shows. They liked the events that we were putting on and said, hey, they do a pretty good job. Would you want to do it for us? And then you say, yeah, why not? And you do one, you do two, you do three, and you, you develop a love and passion for that too. Um, and I'm, I'm, I really believe that that's, it's a strong way to build a brand um, to allow things to come to you through your passion versus going after it for the reason of, of revenue. Well, in the beginning, because I know you started probably at a different time. So was social media still a big thing, like when you first started? Or was it kind of just starting to kind of seep into our, our world? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, yes, social media was 2013, 2014. Instagram was really taking off. Um, we have a lot of our success to attribute to social, to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the game's completely changed since 2014, 15, coming on now. But a lot of our success was that because before, we, wouldn't, we were never able to hit audiences of that magnitude unless we did trade shows or you had boots on the ground at cigar shops or salespeople. Um, so, you know, having that platform gave us a, another leg up. And we were able to get reach where we never would have imagined the possibility or had the budget to do so before. Um, so that, that, yeah, social is always a big part. Um, you know, there are some roadblocks when it comes to social, especially anything related with tobacco, even the accessory side, you know, anything like our cigar case is tobacco related. So we have to be cautious on how we approach standard uh, platforms. I think that's interesting because you kind of think accessories don't have that that roadblock that you know straight on cigar comp you know cigar stuff does but are you saying that you still encounter like the same kind of problems like maybe there are certain words that you kind of get wary of like you know cigar case and that kind of triggers like all the um i don't want to say like roadblocks or, or alarms but in social media world i know certain you know, like tobacco, anything tobacco related, this kind of gets, it puts you in a whole different category. <laughs> yes. I mean, we've had, you know, the Instagram when you want to promote your, your, your story, your post, mm-hmm. we've been blocked so many times. Um, we even tried a campaign because we figured if we put tobacco cigars in our cases and we promote it, it's being flagged and it's being taken down. So we put some carrots we tried to substitute with vegetables just to see, because I mean, people will get the premise and we'll have a laugh and a joke and they still took it down. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, at this point, the, the, all, the only feedback we've received from Facebook and Instagram, the, the, the customer service teams there is that it's tobacco related. As long as it's tobacco related, which everything pretty much that we, we do except for our furniture and our fragrance and our coffee is tobacco related. So that poses a bit of a challenge. Now, how did you, because you just mentioned that you do like, you know, coffee, you do the perfume, 
you know, you do a lot more than just the cigar stuff. How did you decide to scale or expand your brand? Because again, I think so many companies kind of get out there, they launch with one particular product or in one category. And then all of a sudden they, they do see that potential other, a new category and they want to add it on, but it's not as easy. I don't think from my experience of speaking to people that it's not as easy just to add on that new category and just have success in it. Like, how did you do it? You know, and find, you know, some success in, in expanding your, your reach. Some of it, some of it is just pure craziness. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the furniture line is a good example of, of how to accommodate uh, an already great industry. If we look at, for instance, cigar shops, cigar lounges, they're filled with leather chairs, leather sofas. Now, you have so many people experiencing that sofa and that chair on a daily basis. It would make sense for an owner, a shop owner, to have the ability to not only provide a seat or a chair for their guest or their member, but also the ability for that member to purchase it from them if they like it, right? Because you have a, a free showroom and you have people demoing your product every day. So we thought, why don't we come out with our own leather line of, of, of furniture where the shop owners can actually benefit from its use so that it's not just, you know, obviously from a business standpoint, a tax write off at the end of the day, because you'll have to replace that probably in the next five to 10 years. Um, but how do you profit from that and provide value to your customers at the same time? Because we want to provide revenue and value. Um, so that's how the furniture line kind of came to, to, to existence. The coffee was just, I was tired of pairing bitter coffee with my cigar and ruining my, my palate. So um, a couple of us here were pretty crazy about coffee. So there's got to be a better coffee experience. So we just, uh, we teamed up with some crazier people than we were about coffee. And, and we made a blend that was specifically made for cigars. Um, very elegant, very soft, very smooth, nice chocolate notes, cocoa notes, but no bitter aftertaste, very soft finish. Um, and the mouth, the mouth feel at the end of it is, is it just keeps you wanting more. So that, you know, some, some products that we come out with, it's, it's trial and error, but some of them, we just know, we have, you have a feeling. I mean, I think at the end of the day, as long as we're doing something with intention, then even if it fails, it still feel, felt right. Um, if you're doing things without intention and you're just kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall, it makes it a little more challenging. And I think that's, you know, the, the willingness to fail, I think is so important in business, but it never gets spoken of really at great lengths. So your willingness to kind of come in there into other categories and, and play around and, and figure things out as you go. I'm sure that, you know, that's probably maybe some of the fun part of the business because you never know what's going to happen. And I'm sure you made some discoveries along the way of, of trying to figure out these other categories, uh, how to make them work that you were able to kind of help in you in other categories and other, you know, product lines that you wanted to launch. Yeah, most definitely. And, and, you know, one thing that we stress here is we'd rather each other try and fail than not try at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we failed many a times in many a different categories. And like you said, it, it just builds a foundation of, for the future of a knowledge, knowledge base of, you know, if we fail and we don't learn, that's the tragedy. But if we're learning from that failure, that's just going to make our brand stronger on the next launch or on the next creative idea or, or whatever we, we start after that. I think, like you said, failure is very important. Um, obviously, you want to limit your loss. So we're, we're very mindful in how we, we, we test and, and we play with the market. Um, but we still want to have fun. I mean, if we can't come in here every day and have fun, what's the point of this? Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I was listening to a podcast this morning that was talking about creating fans, you know, creating experiences. And uh, the other podcast I was listening to you that you were on earlier, like you weren't really talking about creating experiences, but I think you were talking about tapping into experiences to some degree um, to help like build your brand. So what's been your experience with, with that? Like I said, creating that just fun experience around Peter James, like making it, you know, 
enjoyable, making it a brand, like I said, a lifestyle. And lifestyles is all about getting in there, dabbling and just, uh, you know, playing around and but having people kind of join the movement. Mm -hmm. you, you just got the tail on there. You just hit it. It's the movement. So, I, I, you know, one of the things, the biggest focal points that we wanted to hit when we were um, organizing our 2022 marketing initiatives was let's break down to the stigma of a cigar smoker because for so many years, it's just, it's been that of, I hate to say it, but the older person, the established person, the person that can afford it. And it, it's mm -hmm. so not, it's everything but that. That's a small part of, of the community. So our focus is what, let's highlight the fun. It's not, cigar smoking is not a serious endeavor. It's not supposed to be. I mean, I don't think so. But um, the whole point was let's break down that stigma and have fun doing it. Um, so we created a lot of content and campaigns around art um, because we felt that what better way to depict the cigar industry than through art? Because these technically, they're all handmade. They're pieces of art in their own right. Um, so we married that identity that, that that image to create that lifestyle but also to show it in a way that relates to everyday life um and i think people are really resonating with that you know and sometimes we take it back to we take it back to a few genre, genres ago i'll say it that way and 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 we replace what would have been say a cigarette with a cigar or or a joint with a cigar and we rework that fantasy and it it just looks fun and feels fun. It brings a, a vibrance to to the act. And, and, and that's our biggest initiative this year um, is how do we change not the world, but the perspective of mm -hmm. being a cigar advocate or aficionado. You know, that reminds me of something that, you know, Rocky Patel was saying in an interview when he was talking about going from just being a cigar maker to being uh, creating the burn by Rocky Patel kind of franchise and that he wanted to, to get cigarette smokers to into the cigar lifestyle because he said it was so different, obviously. And, you know, people smoke cigarettes and they don't give any thought to it. It's just like a habit, but you kind of give some thought and it's a whole different experience when you smoke cigars um, and you're into that lifestyle. So, you know, creating that experience and, and building that, you know, environment where people can enjoy. Um, and I think that you, you're you obviously doing that with your accessories and with the different components, the, the coffee, you're giving people these different areas and different things that they can do to, like I said, to enjoy and get into that lifestyle a little bit more rather than yeah, it just it, being themselves. It's meant to enhance, right? We just want to enhance our experiences uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, and, our goal is to is to help people enhance their experiences and whatever that means whether it's through an accessory a cigar or anything in between and furthermore so i mean that's that's it's always at the forefront and i mean there is a lot more I mean, we are expanding our scope to outside just the cigar industry but it also mm -hmm. ties right back in it's it's crazy because we're kind of stuck by labels. Like you're a cigar smoker. Well, you know, just because I enjoy playing sports, does that mean I'm an athlete? If I enjoy a cocktail, does that mean I'm a connoisseur? If I like the labels, um, they kind of misinterpret the art and the lifestyle. So all we're trying to do is pull in and say, Hey, look, you're a cigar smoker, but I bet you like shoes too. Don't you? I'm sure you have a killer shoe collection. Well, why not maybe look at some shoes? Peter James offering a shoe line. Or how do we make sure that when you wake up in the morning, we're a part of that selection? You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, a couple weeks ago, Karen Berger, who you know is like a fashionista, uh, in addition to being into the cigar world, she was saying, you know, there's so many people in the cigar industry that love fashion and yet 
you know, there's always this, this, this big disconnect that where people, you know, aren't thinking about fashion and cigars. She said, and there, she wishes there were more people who kind of will blend the two lifestyles together. So it sounds like what you're kind of working towards is, is bringing that fashion and bringing that, that up, you know, people who, who want to up their experience and up their look uh, into the lifestyle. So. Yeah, certainly. That's a big nail in a coffin. That's exactly what we're looking to do is it's, we're just trying to revitalize, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and bring some, like we did before, um, bring things into a more fashionable state. Yeah, because, you know, cigars are so traditional. And I was, I've been telling people as I look back in my 10 years, you know, going on 11, of, you know, working on the media side of the cigar industry that, when I first came on into the industry, it was a very the perceptions and stereotypes were like, you know, this was a, a lifestyle, you know, for older people who were like affluent, who, you know, it was just like very streamlined. Like there's like one type of person who likes cigars. And then you get into the industry and as you spend more time in it and you go to the trade shows, you go to the events, you go to lounges, you just realize that there's so many different groups of people and different interests within the industry that and not all of these groups and people are being spoken to or, or kind of catered to or given something that, you know, they can relate to. Yeah. I'm trying to break down that wall. There. That's, that's, that's what we're, we're, we're looking to do. And, and we're looking to shake things up. Um, we're, even though we're from Canada, we're not looking to be polite. We really want things to change. Um, and we want to, you know, there's, you can ask anyone in the industry, which I'm sure you have. I know you have some, you have some pretty renowned guests on your, on your, on your podcast and I know I'll tell you that there's a lot of change that's occurring. Um, and, and the one thing that we're really looking to do is be part of that. We want to be part of that shift. We don't want to be the rule breakers. We want to be, we don't, we're not looking to create more boundaries and we're looking to free the industry from boundaries and have a perception um, in the outside world of the scar industry being fun, vibrant, unique, um, because when people ask me, you know, how was the trade show or how was that event you went to? It, I, the response never fails. It was always a great time. It was always a great party. People are happy. They're talkative. You know, you meet so many great characters. It's seldom do you leave a cigar event and feel like you didn't get the most of it. How do we bring that to the rest of the world? How do we bring that energy to the rest of the world? That's, that's that, that, that block that we have to take down because everyone's kind of deserving of that. Right. Now, recently, like I said, you've added on different parts of your business over the years. And recently you added on the cigar component, which, you know, to me, when I saw the press release come out and I thought about it, I was like, Oh, they, they haven't had their own cigar brand. It seems like, you know, it seems like for some reason, it seems like you, you would have had that like ages ago. So what made you kind of launch your own kind of branded cigar brand? And what was that experience like? Cause I'm sure that was, then you were on a completely different part of the industry becoming, you know, not just making these different categories that kind of support cigars, but here you are now making, or, you know, or becoming a manufacturer of uh, cigars that people can enjoy along with these other areas as well and other products that you've released. Yeah. I mean, it just, it felt right. It felt like it was the next logical step. Um, we've been in manufacturing. I've been in manufacturing for a long time uh, since I was a toddler. Um, I worked in fact, not worked, but my dad was <laughs> in manufacturing. So that's my child labor, but you know, you're in, factory a lot you're talking to the guys they make you do stuff so technically yeah i get a little bit of work but i've always been around manufacturing so i have a lot of experience there um i never dabbled in in the cigars because you know i was just such a fan there's so many brands i was just a huge fan of and i'm and and i'm just admiring their work and smoking everything that they made um but i often get got asked the question you know what's your favorite cigar yeah very 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 tough question to answer because depends on the day, depends on what I'm eating. What I'm, like, it's just, there's no like one go-to for me. So I said, well, why don't I create one? Or why don't we create one? 
I feel like that would, would felt right for the ecosystem and the lifestyle we're creating in here. Um, so I we took that on and we took that on, unfortunately, at a very difficult time. Um, but somehow it worked. You know, we, we made it work remotely. Um, we launched in June and the reception has been fantastic. Um, it's a, it, we're, we're craft producer. I just want to highlight that. Um, but we enjoy the blending process. The challenge I think for us was, you know, I, I, I know the, the cigars, I know leaf, I'm very well versed, um, with that part. It was the actual manufacturing process where I had to uh, become acclimated with and, and, and really dive deeper into, because that's, for me, that's my, that's my area of focus. So I like to understand process. I like to question it. I like to test it. Um, so not being able to be at the facility was a bit challenging to start, but I was working with some great people who were, you know, very communicative, uh, communicative through the whole process. Um, lots of video streaming, lots of phone calls and, and we got it right. And there were a lot of challenges along the way. I mean, it was a 16 month process from start to launch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it's a little different working in say, you know, the Americas versus working in uh, the South Americas or you know, the Nicaraguas. It's just a different flow. So once you become accustomed to that flow and, and, and the way they operate, then, you know, it becomes a little easier. But getting comfortable with that with that was was the challenge. Yeah, for sure. What would you say was the the most surprising thing you kind of learned from you know the cigar making process? So for going from being just a consumer of cigars to suddenly you're on the other side being a manufacturer or you're trying to bring a cigar to market, what was something that kind of surprised you the most about the whole process? How many hands this has touched? And how long it takes and, and how much effort goes into it um it, it was just it was unbelievable to, to actually experience it you know you, you you've heard about the process you probably watched a youtube video here and there but to actually go through it and experience how many people are laboring over this one cigar mm -hmm. um, it creates a new light um, for anyone it would create just a new perspective on any cigar so um, for me that was humbling but also gave me a new like even just relit that fire for me uh, because I was just, I was in awe of, of all the passion and love that went into making it. And how did you settle on the, the blends that you showcased at PCA? So the, the, the blend, the Habano blend, I actually, um, before we even started, I was, I was at it. I was trying to find a manufacturer previously. So I had a whole blending report done. Um, I think it was like two and a half, close to three pages long. Um, and I highlighted everything I wanted in the cigar from um, roll to bunching to uh, leaf type to flavor profile, um, how I wanted it pressed. Like I just, I had a very specific process in mind. Now, not to say that everything came to fruition the way I wanted, but I think the team did an amazing job you know, from not, me not even being able to be there physically, taking that report and sending options that were along those lines. So once I had the initial blends, it, it was almost there. It was like 70, the first few blends that we received, we were almost little 60, 70% there. It was just some tweaking, um, some rebunching, reformulating. And then from there, it was, it was off the race. I think after the third, the third batch, we had nailed it. So I was, it was really, from what I hear from a lot of, uh, colleagues in the industry, you know, it was probably something that won't happen again, because usually it takes a lot of time on the blending process. Uh, and we just happened to nail it rather quickly. But I enjoyed I enjoyed the blending experience for sure. Now, what, you know, as you're thinking about what kind of cigar you wanted to bring to market, I know different people have different approaches to this, like they want to blend for their palate, they want to blend for other people's palate, they ask retailers, what are their customers buying? So how did you kind of approach that question of, you know, what kind of blend or what kind of cigar you wanted to create? Like, how did you decide that? So there's a combination of factors. Um, I obviously wanted to appease my palate because I want to smoke this every single day. Right? I want this to be my regular cigar. But I also thought, okay, 
So I come from an era of smoking Cuban cigars. Um, mm -hmm. I know I've know a lot of people who, who still smoke Cuban cigars. And I said, okay, well, I want to bring something to market that has that soft, elegant feel of a Cuban, but I want more flavor because I find that, you know, the cigars from around the world um, have, a, have that flavor. And that's the exciting part for me is, is really diving into the flavor profiles. So I thought if we could make a cigar that was, call it your new favorite pair of jeans, so that you didn't have to think about what to pair it with or what the occasion was. You just knew that when you walked into your humidor, if you have a thousand cigars, because it's tough. It's tough when you walk into the humidor, you're like, oh, what do I want for today? I don't know what I'm gonna do. Um, we just wanted that one that you know that, okay, I don't have to think, I'm gonna grab it. I know exactly what I'm getting and I can pair it with anything and it's gonna be great. Um, so that was, that's, the appetite we were trying to 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 appease it was that your new favorite pair of jeans we wanted soft elegant but we wanted flavor we wanted to have something unique you know like you said there there's so many cigars on the market today <laughs> you walk into a humidor you have so many choices and you know as a consumer you, you can kind of feel overwhelmed so did you have any concerns about like Oh, it's just, you know, it's too, well, whenever you're working on the cigar, but now it's 2022, you know, you're, you're bringing in the cigar, you know, do you feel like you're competing with the rest of the industry or do you feel like you're just kind of introducing a new cigar and, you know, just as in the other categories you've entered that gradually you'll, you know, gain a, a following and fan of the cigar and you don't have to worry about competition. You know, I there's, Competition in the sense of on the business step from a business standpoint. I mean, yeah, if you create a cigar, technically, I guess to another cigar maker, your competition. Um, I don't, I don't really view it that way. I, I view it as we're, we're an accompaniment. We're, we're, you know, if you walk into a humidor, you're, you're, whoever's managing a humidor or whoever's serving the customer um, should have a well thought out amount of knowledge and how to service that customer and how to fit them to a cigar. Um, and we just want to be able to be in the humidor as that as an option. You know, we're not looking to overtake. We just want to be there. Say, hey, look, if you're looking for something maybe outside the realm of a traditional, maybe just try a Peter James. So just having the ability to 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 have that um, to be accompanied by some of the greater brands is 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 incredible. But our our goal is it's always consumer focused. It's always experience focused. Uh, and and I'm not we're not positioning ourselves to be a major competitor, a major player. It's, it's, it's more consumer focused at, at this point in the game. Um, we just want to create things that are unique and different and great. You know, we started this business with the first, with our core value, the first core value we ever had was whatever we do, we have to do it to the best of our ability. And it's always got to be the best of value, um, which ultimately leads to quality first. And, and that didn't change when we produced our cigar. It's, Yes, the blend is important, but more important than the blend is the roll and the burn. Because when somebody is smoking the cigar, we need to make sure they're having an incredible experience, at the very least with the cigar, because we both know that everyone's palate's different, uh, flavor subjective. We're all going to smoke a cigar and taste different things. Um, but as long as we make sure that the roll and the burn is on point, then our quality is, is bar none, and we're, we're happy. Well, I think it's good that you you said that because you know one of my pet peeves is how the the industry is so focused or obsessed with ratings, and the ratings are just like reviews with a number attached to it, and you don't really know how some of the numbers are are gotten to, and like you said, everybody's palate is different. So it always makes me laugh when you look at reviews. Is that some reviews say, "Oh, this cigar has you know white pepper and." hints of cedar and, and earth and stuff like that. And then somebody else will come in and, and completely have a completely different take on it. And it's just like, is there anybody who's actually right? Or is there anybody who's wrong? Or is it just everybody's right? It's just based on your palate. So I think your focus on something, like you said, two things that you can control is, is really, like you said, the roll and the burn. And you can't really control, I don't think, how people are going to rate or their how their palate is going to assess that blend. So I think that's very interesting that you said that because we never, I don't think I've heard anybody say that those are like, they're too focused 
focal points in, in blending, you know, in all the 106 or seven episodes of, of Deep Cut so far. <laughs> well, I guess I would think a little differently. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's completely subjective. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't see someone saying they know what the consumer is going to want, you know, that you can, you can attempt it. And ultimately the only way to find out is for the consumer to try it and give you their feedback. Um, but I think if we focus for us, our main focus, like you said, is just make sure our quality control is bar none and make sure we have everything else right. And the blend is, the blend is more particular to our palettes um, and we'll let that shine if they if that resonates with a lot of people that means that we share a similar palette and if it doesn't then you're just meant for a different cigar and, and that's okay so you know tell us about you know give this give the spiel because i know people maybe like i said didn't see that press release but give us a spill on these cigars in terms of like what's the name of the cigar because i know people are going to want to try it after they've heard you talk about it. What's the name of the cigar and like what, you know, makes each blend a little bit different from one another. Sure. Okay. So we only, um, we released two blends, one size and tried to keep it as simple as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, the name of the cigar is Los Estoico, which <clears throat> in English translates to stoic, the stoic. It was named after my father as a tribute to him because without him realizing it, I stole my first cigar from him as you know, an 18, 19 year old. So I do have, I did want to pay homage to him. So I did name it after him. Um, and we used the Spanish translation to um, honor the factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. Um, it comes in two blends. One is a Habano and one is a Maduro. The Habano is on the mild to medium spectrum. Uh, it's a medium strength cigar, but it has a unique flavor profile. Um, it's very soft. It's very elegant. You won't get too much of that bite or raspiness on the mouth finish or on the back of the palate. So it's a very easy cigar to smoke. Um, you want me to give you the, 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 the filler and the binder and all that, or just- Yeah, because I know that some people will want to know like what that is. And there's people who've asked that question, you know, of different people who've been on like, what's the blend? Like, like why aren't they sharing what's, what's in the blend? So for those people who do want to go ahead and share that information. So it's comprised, the Habano is comprised of four fillers. Uh, two are from the region of Valapa. One is a Condega. And the other one is undisclosed. The undisclosed is because it's a proprietary um, fermentation technique used by our, our, our manufacturer. Um, mm -hmm. So we want, they want to keep it undisclosed. We went with a double binder, Indonesia and Mexico. And then we finished with an Ecuadorian um, Habano wrapper. Um, and that's kind of, that kind of sums up the Habano. A new favorite pair of jeans, easy to smoke any time of the day. Um, great, great smoke. The compliment to that was after a big meal, I wanted something with a little more muscle. So we kind of tweaked the, the first Habano blend and created the Maduro. The Maduro mm -hmm. is still on the medium strength, medium body, but it's full flavor. So we same fillers we just changed the ratios a little bit um we removed one of the binders and went with a, an indonesian binder and went with a san andreas mexican wrapper so you're going to get a lot of flavor in that earth cocoa uh, nut a um, little bit of leather hints of espresso it's it's a really interesting uh, maduro but again it's not it's not overpowered so if you like a stronger cigar something more full body, probably not the Maduro that you're looking for. It's still, we just stayed on the medium spectrum for now. Um, again, just try to start somewhere, start off somewhere. You know, as you, you've kind of walked us through the different areas of parts of Peter James as, as it is today. So what's your, your future plans for your, your company and all that it has to offer? Do you have other categories that you, like I said, besides the, the fashion that you kind of hope to kind of get into? Yes. So that is definitely an area that we're, we're exploring currently. So, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. definitely going to see some 
some things come to fruition. What that'll be, I, I don't know. There's a lot um, in the pipe that we're going through prototyping and testing. Um, I think the most important part of what to see from Peter James in the future is, is an ecosystem um, to service, not just, we're not just a fashion brand, we're not just a cigar brand, we're not just an accessory brand. Um, it's, it's to embody that whole lifestyle um, from start to finish, when you wake up in the morning till you go to bed. And what does that mean? You know, I, I think we like to take the mindset of let's just let things happen um, in the state of flow that they should versus mm -hmm. try to enter too many markets. Um, I do see something coming. I will give you something. I do see something coming in the shooting and sporting world no. just because we like to we like to play in the, in the niches, in the niches, however you want to say it. And... And we find that whenever we can find an area that there's maybe a gap uh, or maybe it's not being serviced to its fullest potential, that's something that we like to test and like to have fun with. So that's something that we've been playing with and, uh, and may soon come to market. You know, as we kind of reach the, the end of our hour together, I always like to kind of end with some of the same questions for everyone, because I think it's kind of fun to, to see the variety of answers, but, um, the first of those questions I usually ask to kind of close out the show is what is your why or what motivates you to do what you do? Because I can live every day of my life the way I want. I just want to be happy and, and this makes me happy. So that's why I do it. Um, another question I, I like to ask is, you know, people, know that obviously you have uh, experienced launching businesses and getting into these different categories and they say that they have an idea for a business or a product or something entrepreneurial of their own and they have no idea how to get started what's your advice for those people wanting to to launch their own business or be an entrepreneur and getting started if they don't have any idea of you know how to get out there I would say I'd revert back to the comment. I'd rather to, I'd rather see people try and fail than never try at all. So, I mean, never look at a situation like you can't enter it because you've never been there before. The fact that you've never been there before just means it's uncomfortable. Once you're in it and you're comfortable, then you have to push that boundary again once you reach another level um, of entrepreneurship. So um, it's just about breaking down that idea of being uncomfortable and finding comfort there. Uh, but I would say just do your due diligence. I mean, with as much access to information as we have today through through the internet, you can pretty much f launch a business um, with, of your dreams the way you want. Uh, and then you just have to learn from your failures and keep progressing. The thing is, never stop pushing. I mean, it's easy to throw in the towel. Um, just make sure things align from a financial business perspective. But, and then after that, it's just it's the will. Just use your will and keep going. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned from failure? The biggest lesson from failure? Any specific failure or just failure in general? Just any any failure. Failure is mandatory. Failure is mandatory. If you're not failing, you're not learning. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Period. And and I guess the, the last of these rapid fire questions that I'm throwing at you is how would you define success? What does success look like for you? Ooh. I, I usually know. never get to this question. So I'm excited to see what your answer is not to turn on you. <laughs> My wheels are spinning. No, that's a great question. I just want, okay. If I have to measure success, I just want my boys to grow up looking at me. Um, And wanting to pursue the same love and passion and knowing that them seeing me doing that gives them the ability and the courage and the, and the confidence to do it themselves. That's success to me. That's success. Well, awesome. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for, for coming on and being a guest on Deep Cuts Live. And before we sign off, I want you to, for those people, there's people who are just listening to this on audio, so they haven't seen the banner that's been up the whole episode, but can you tell people what website and what social media that they need to be aware of in order to 
uh, keep in touch with you and to follow what Peter James is putting out there? Absolutely. So um, all of our, everything that we offer in terms of service or product is available at peterjamescole.com, including our cigars, a link to our cigar website. Uh, And then you can follow us on Instagram at peterjames.co for all our fun, creative art lifestyle uh, craziness. (laughs) And I do, do, you know, we have five minutes left, but I do have like one more question, which is so many retailers, I know a lot of retailers kind of watch this show and listen to the podcast, but so many retailers kind of uh, struggle with accessories uh, and coffee and these different things that aren't just, you know, tobacco products. If they're tobacconists, um, they struggle with selling these products or, or getting excited about, you know, a great leather case like you, your company makes, like they do a, a cigar that Puente or Padron or Drew Estate might release. So what's your advice to those retailers on how to leverage, you know, maybe some non-cigar products that, but that are accessories and stuff in their store and how can they get excited about them? How can they get their customers excited about these products? Yeah. I mean, I think they have to, the, 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 the conversations I have with some of our retailers that, that carry our product is it's all about, we go back to experience. The, the consumer has to see, you living that experience to get excited. Mm. So you need to be living that. So if it's coffee and you have a shop, make sure you have a a good coffee machine and you're making them a coffee as they walk in and you're excited and you're talking about the coffee and you're you're talking about its origin. You're you're having a conversation with them. You're making them part of the experience. Let them sit down, have that cup of coffee. Maybe have a conversation with them. Ask them, what would you like to pair with that coffee or what kind of cigar are you in the mood for today? You just want to make them feel like they're involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes with any accessory. Maybe instead of just using a simple big torch lighter that it's called like the shop lighter, you should have some of the lighters out that you sell so that the customer can use that to light their cigar and then say, oh, I really like this. Maybe I should buy one. It's it's all about creating that experience for the customer. If they don't, they don't know they want that experience until they've tried it. Right. So you to, to give it to them. I think that's great advice. And I love to end, you know, on that note, because I don't think I think that's going to be what a lot of retailers kind of get out of this interview. And uh, I want to, like I said, thank you for coming on and, and talking about what you do and what your company is doing. And uh, hopefully you'll be willing to come back in the future. When we Now that we've got all the intro stuff out of the way, we can get, dive into some um, other things, because like I said, I, I listened to an, another podcast that you were on and you definitely has some interesting things to say. We didn't talk about. I know that you're talking about comforts that you like, like, you know, a good pillow, a good uh, blazer that's well tailored and all this other stuff. So plenty more that we can talk about, obviously, uh, maybe in the next, you know, next time that you you come on. So uh, definitely would like to have you on again at, at some point in the future just to uh, have a part two of this conversation. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in. Sign me up. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to thank John for coming on today and speaking to us and sharing his story and uh, the story of Peter James. And I want to thank everyone for watching and listening. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button. And if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting apps, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or iHeartRadio, just make sure you hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Reviews help me to improve what we're doing here. I always say that there's always room for improvement, so you're not going to hurt my feelings. If you say something that you feel like needs to get better, or if you have something that you actually liked, let me know that too, so I can know the kind of harp and do more of that uh, in the future. Um, we have shows kind of every week and uh, during this month, so we have another show actually later on this week with some um, retailers. So you're going to hear a completely different story from uh, uh, some retailers that I know of, and uh, they're going to share their story of why they got into retail and kind of some of the trends and uh their interest and why they launched uh, their own cigar stores. So uh, I want to thank everyone for coming on. And uh, if you missed any of this episode or the other 106 episodes, you can catch them all on deepcutslive.com. And we're also on YouTube, um, all the episodes. So um, this episode will be up probably tomorrow morning. And uh, um, we'll just, 
like I said, there's plenty to catch up on. You have a hundred and six hours and 107 with this one to um, go back and watch. So plenty of stuff to get caught up on. Um, thank you so much for watching and until next time.